All right. We're still here with on Wisconsin, still here with the Mad Men, which is perfect, right? Because we are in Madison. So, um, but you know, one thing that I talked to Rick about, and for those of you who haven't seen the Mad Men series, this is a series that play, takes place in the 1960s. It was on uh, AMC. Um, I think it won some awards in 2007. Um, probably what seven seasons long. Uh, follows the main character Don Draper, who is the creative director for this ad agency. Um, you know, there's all these different um, social things that occur that, you know, kind of they, they rock him and then, you know, he gets back and, you know, does all these different things. Um, but, you know, this is all back in the 1960s, early 1970s. And, and I don't think they mince the uh, the the social, the, like the, the cultural things you know, at this time, and, and and we got a you know a little bit of credit to the the creative people who came up with the show. They were a little bit ahead of the times because they were doing this social commentary on you know workplace politics. You know, these uh, what we would now see as a you know very Me Too kind of moments within the show. That that was uh, a social commentary on what was considered to be the awful cultural norms that were taking place at that time. Uh, which I find, you know, it's very interesting um, to 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 view it from this perspective. One of the things that I talk to Rick about often when we talk about creating high-end film uh, in the state of Wisconsin is this idea that we're not trying to reinvent Hollywood. You know, the, we are in the Midwest. So, you know, like while there's a, you know, uh, screen actors uh, groups and things of that nature, um, we're not necessarily trying to, um, you know, do that same thing. We, we're trying to develop our own community and our own, uh, you know, cultural norms uh, that, that we adhere to on the sets. And so, you know, like I thought that, that was, you know, probably a really important thing for us to say is like, yeah, you know, we're, we're playing the Mad Men theme music tonight. But that's not how any of our offices work. That's not how we work and collaborate with one another. We kind of have our own... Um, right, you know cultural practices. Yeah, we don't have you know bottles of scotch on the on the table. You don't. You know, well, some of us. <laughs> some of us do. Yeah, some of us do. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I would I would much rather you know um, uh, go out and and support uh, you know a, a local place. Um, you know, when when there's something to celebrate, than you know getting plastered in the office. And, right. You know, because of course in that series there are all these different mishaps that happen when people are you know getting intoxicated at work and things like that so you know like that, that's one of the things that and and of course i'm sure they took some uh some uh creative liberties in, in creating those those scenes in that tv show but it's different right uh we were in the same building um talking to uh dylan from uh promote local we were in the same building for a while gilman plaza yep. that's right mm-hmm. and um you know this is right by where uh the hub 2 was being constructed this is before it was even fully constructed and uh you know uh, my business something media had recently moved in there and i remember talking to um i'm trying to remember his name the william yeah yeah the founder for promote local yeah and um I, it, it was something like uh you know, do you have like a, a screwdriver or something like that? I was putting together my desk, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, "Oh, this is the this is the proverbial uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, cup of sugar kind right, of request, right, right, you right, know? right, right. Because yeah. you know, I put up a sign, something media right across the hall was promote local. I wouldn't be surprised if William was just like, yeah, and like 
from his back pocket. It's just like a It was just like that. It yeah. was it was yeah. almost Shout out to like William that. if he's listening to this, by the way. Oh great. Yeah. Uh, and I and I oh, by the way, <laughs> I, I wanna throw this in one more time because uh, you know, this is WSUM's uh, off air hour or um, open schedule time, um, and I'm Wisconsin had one more episode. So we had uh, a, a young uh, person here, Ben, uh, who was hoping to do their first show here tonight on our FM uh, broadcast. He's currently doing the second stream. This, so Ben's Rock Hour is on the second stream, uh, which is available for uh, uh, people listening to wsum.org slash free flow. Wanted to throw that out there um, at least a couple of times tonight because he was so, so kind in, in letting us get on the FM signal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was exactly like that. Mm-hmm. William, you know, helped me out. And, it's and Madison then, hospitality, you know. And it felt it felt really great and welcoming that mm-hmm. you know we were both in the same building, not stepping on anybody's toes, and in fact ended up working together on 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 a project. And you know, like I I think that that's did really that great. help you with like a music video? Did that? That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Also came in and, and helped me with that as well. So I mean, <laughs> totally. So many different opportunities for us to engage um, on these um, bigger projects with one another. Um, I'm really excited for what 2019 uh, presents. You know, I've already invited everybody here on this program to, uh, you know, come on again in, in 2019 and, you know, talk about various events because, I mean, in a sense, that's where we're headed, right? Each of us are going to be helping different people putting together their their uh, events and putting together um, some information for the public to learn a little bit more about them. And and I think we do all kind of have our, our areas of, uh, you know, our specialties, if you will. Um, you know, like mine, for example, is, you know, I'm a sound guy. I come from, you know, the area of audio arts. I think Rick, uh, having been... Uh, doing this for such a long time he's really good at big picture stuff you know so as you two are talking I mean think about Rick and and his ability to uh, uh, facilitate and manage a group of you know well over 600 people online uh, making high-end film for the state of Wisconsin I mean I think that that's really you know something to look at you, you had a, you had something. Well, you were saying at the beginning when uh, when Rick was uh, was saying that he moved from New York here. I, I find that you know back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, a lot of people and a lot of creative people were migrating to LA and New York because that was the space that was providing them with the tools, the platforms to be able to create you know what they needed to create at that moment. Currently, I feel like those those areas are a little oversaturated with people because everybody believes now that if they grab their things and and rock over to to LA or to New York. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, a done deal. They're gonna get there, and uh, their dreams are gonna come true, and they're gonna become you know big huge producers in their area. Uh, I do feel like that that's gonna migrate again towards the Midwest, being you know a, a space that's full of uh, amazing creative people. That and and the the field and the industry itself is 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 a little you know. Um, empty of, of of these of these creative people because everybody has migrated to Los Angeles and New York. So I do feel in the next five, ten years that we will see uh, a, a bigger movement of, of creative people uh, coming back to the Midwest and building the Midwest up to be what L.A. and New York uh, became during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. In the way of actually having, you know, that level of content, again, not trying to recreate the L.A. and the New York, but, you know, For sure. uh, maybe, I'm not, you know, 
like I like how you say it because you you say it from more of a professorial kind of point of view. I I, I say we treat this episode as like a, a a planning, you know, like how do we create that fence that people you know want to stay in here in the Midwest or and do back. these things or come or back. back, right? Yeah. Right. We have a lot of people. I know Dylan, you had your hand up. Oh, um, well. Basically, I was kind of trying to get to, um, I think I remember reading 2015, 2016, Wisconsin was in the bottom for investment capital. I think it was like 49th or 50th. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily representative. Um, I don't think that's necessarily bad things. People here, when they make something, they want to stay in it for the long run. People on those coasts, they build something, they're just trying to sell it, trying to flip it. Um, so, so people here want to build something real and something that lasts. Um, I think that's that's something different from the Midwest or Wisconsin in particular than than the coasts. For sure. And touching back on the the whole Mad Men kind of like concept that that you that you themed this show after uh, back in the '60s, '70s, you know, when when this whole advertisement agency uh, concept or system was set in place, uh, it was kind of complicated for the smaller local businesses to be able to take advantage of the services of an advertisement agency such as a Mad Men style advertisement agency because of budget and because uh, it was it was very few companies that had control over what was on a billboard, what was on a what was on the radio, what was on TV. With the birth of the internet, you start seeing a platform and tools that are in everybody's hands so that now you're actually being able to provide these kind of created services for a smaller local kind of business that can have access to creating a two to three, five, ten minute video that promotes their products. When back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it was a little bit more complicated because uh, it it was being controlled by fewer people. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. In in 2003, I was working with Office.com in New York, and that was just when everyone was getting on the Internet, and exactly what you're saying was happening. A lot of voices were able to be heard, a lot of businesses. But now, you know, almost a decade later, now we're back in the situation where if you don't hire somebody like, you know, like one of these guys to really help you get that message right online, it won't matter because the Internet is the new Madison Avenue, and now everybody's there. So you really need that expertise to create something people are going to pay attention to. But it's another it's just it's a problem but it's an exciting problem. Well, apart from that, you know, I agree completely with what you're saying. Apart from that, we've seen that, you know, with the creation of the internet, people created their online platform, their 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 digital storefront, if you want to call it somehow. And back at the beginning, you know, it used to be very informational. You know, people would go there, you'd see um, not very engaging websites, but with a lot of information, and you'd get what you need and you'd leave, and that's about it. Nowadays, we see that websites have to be engaging, they have to be dynamic, and people just don't want to read anymore. They just want to be fed the information in 30 seconds, and 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 they're in. And out. So you're seeing a lot of platforms of uh, small and large companies that need to be updated and need to be, you know, at that level uh, level of engagement as the, the 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 new age website, if you want to call it somehow, that that basically is 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 interesting and inspiring and dynamic and engaging and it's it's a very interesting period to 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 um, work in the creative media industry for sure. Yeah, it's all those things and it has to be in their pocket too. So you have to mobilize it, you have to make it uh, easily accessible wherever they are and fast. I mean, it's it's a complicated game to do it right. And we're lucky in Madison to have people that know how to do it. You know, my my view on it, um, again, in total agreement with with the uh, different positions here in the conversation, I, I think we're all kind of speaking the same language. 
um, the bar has been raised for uh, for web for let's talk about websites specifically. The bar has certainly been raised because it's so easy to do now. Um, and at first, I'm thinking, oh gosh, this is totally going to put me out of business. I started making websites when I was like 14 or maybe 15 years old, and and that's because I knew how to. I mean, I was born in the internet. I, I like you know tinkering around with the HTML and you know. Uh, making those source codes and, and coming up with different ways of displaying that content. And when I was a young person, it was actually my father who was introducing me to all these different um, entrepreneurs who wanted a website. At this time, um, little more, a little under 20 years ago, people were looking for a website as a replacement for a brochure. You know, like business cards, are, I think they're coming back now. But for the longest, people wanted a website as sort of like this digital business card. And so what you'd have are these uh, pages, you know, kind of simple, but it would have, you know, some text and, you know, um, some information on how to get a hold of somebody and, and the services that they provide. And uh, I think that's, you know, I learned at a, at a pretty early age that a lot of people were not doing websites right. A lot of people weren't even really representing themselves right. It, um, and, and putting together their digital business card, I would get somebody requests like, can you make my, my MySpace? <laughs> and, and so like that was my first like red line as a, as a web developer was like, I don't do MySpace. People were asking you to do, your, to do their MySpaces? Oh, sure. And then, and they were want, they bands or like? No, these were like business owners, but you know, like everybody wanted a MySpace, yeah. one, you know, because they wanted something that they could get in there and edit their own content. And, you know, but because uh, we didn't have WordPress yet. We didn't have right. Wix. We didn't have these platforms where people could easily get in there and edit. So every time somebody needed an update, you would need to call your web person to go in there and hard code some HTML for them to be able to, to display their content. Uh, but yeah, people would ask me to do their MySpace, you know, put put a, a, a animated background where you couldn't even read read the text, you know, the, the start. And I'm like, I'm not going Cobra to Cobra Starship that. plays in the background. I'm not going to Whatever. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and then... Um, you know, don't even get me started on like the crazy domain names. I mean, this was a time where people could have been getting like the most simple domain names that you could possibly think of. I mean, you know, imagine if you wanted like water.com. I mean, it might have been available at the time. Who knows? You know, but people were looking for these, you know, crazy sounding domain names um, that, you know, I was kind of even at that age, like, I don't think you should do that. I don't know a whole lot about business, but I don't think you should, you know, put out a domain with like five different words strung together you know so it, it, it's a very it was a very interesting time uh, to get started in making websites and now I would say that while it's easier for people to manage the content on their website they still end up needing uh, an IT consultant at some point in time if they're uh, really serious about the business that they're providing to the community because while they can go in and edit and put up their own posts and content for people you always want a second set of eyes mm -hmm. in making sure that it's you know free of typos or even that your you know the content you're pushing out is is you know timed right and and put toward the right uh, audience i mean there's also this thing too of like controlling the language and the narrative you don't want one post to be like very professional sounding and then the next one to be like, you know, talking to your best friend. I mean, you want a certain level of consistency with what you're putting out online. And so I think people are going back to the days of consulting with people, just like I think business cards are coming back. People are actually doing that. They see the, they see the value in having that hard piece of paper, a uh, little piece of paper for people to write on, um, while at the same time um, really controlling some nice content online as well.
you know, it's a little bit of both, which is, it's exciting. It's a really exciting time. It's a good time to be alive. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's see. We're, we're about 33 minutes after the hour. Um, I want to keep kind of going on with this conversation. Uh, Rick has been on this show before. Oh. Um, a long time ago, and we were specifically talking about the Madison Indie Filmmaker Group right. at the time. And, yeah, the Oscars had just happened. Right. And so, yeah, it opened the door to talk about indie filmmaking here in Madison. That was that was over a year ago, Yeah, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, but this year has been a different year for this show on Wisconsin. Uh, again, this is WSUM's show. Um, I've been doing a little bit here and there to... Uh, you know, bring this show into the 21st century and putting it on uh, streaming podcasts and, and things like that. Uh, where it's heading to next, uh, and I'll probably be calling everybody here at the table and, and putting it together, but, you know, I, I think it'd be neat to have a uh, video live stream uh, with this show as well and kind of doing more of this open forum style discussion. But this last year, for those of you who are uh, tuning in, On Wisconsin has been doing... Um, civic engagement discussions, uh, talking about public policy, um, some local statewide news sort of things. We've had uh, several different guests of different categories on this show. I know we interviewed uh, a lot of uh, majority of people in the Democratic gubernatorial primary uh, to include uh, now Governor-elect Tony Evers was on during that time of the year. Uh, we've had um, our um, uh, state representative, Chris Taylor, um, uh, for this area of, of Madison on on our program. Um, we were talking about the uh, tragic uh, Parkland um, school shooting. Uh, we've talked about um, uh, the, you know another tragic incident that took place at the Pit Pittsburgh synagogue. Um, we've talked about we we opened up the year talking about. The opioid uh, epidemic, uh, recidivism. We've talked about a lot of. It's a huge problem around here, Madison, Minneapolis. Opioid, yeah, it's real bad, real bad. You know, so this show has really, you know, focused in on some very serious, hard-hitting issues. And how does that relate to the kind of work that we all do, uh, being in that, you know, creative space and serving other clients? Um, maybe I'll going to kind of uh, see who wants to jump out there first. How do you work uh, with a client who, um, you know, they want to stay current with, you know, the day's events, but they also don't want to get lumped into that whole political um, just, atmosphere? Yeah, just get on the street and talk to people. You know, I think there's a certain sense of corporate social responsibility um, that is necessary. And I think a lot of people overthink it. And I think they're kind of like, you know, who do I who do I talk to? You know, who do I get involved with this? And, and I think it's I think it's literally as simple as like going on the street and like giving some water and some food to the homeless people. Um, just anything, anything like that. Um, they're also human. You don't have to go through bureaucratic channels. You know what I mean? Just just go out there and do your thing. Help people. Yeah. Be a real person. Be a real person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. I can jive with that. What do you think, Carlos? How do you how do you uh, represent your clients um, who might be, you know, uh, at the same time, you know, uh, staying current in, in today's uh, conversations? Um, you know, there's uh, we, we just uh, recently closed out uh, a major uh, midterm election cycle. You know, how are, how do you? How do you advertise for a person who might be, you know, one or two degrees of separation? 
Well, it's a very tricky subject at the end of the day when you are hired to develop or to create something uh, like a video or photography or a website. Uh, you're trying to speak through the voice of the person that's hiring you. So at the end of the day, it's not your opinion. It's not who you are and what you represent. So it's, uh, it's very important that you... Um, try to side with uh, projects and corporations and entities that uh, you share the same kind of uh, way of thinking and the same mentality. Uh, the, what you were talking about before is that you and I bumped into each other on, in, the, in the Dream Bank, I believe it is, on, uh, over at uh, the Spark Building. And with that project, we were working with a gentleman called Mike Ford, which actually oh, was uh, yeah. a speaker at That's TED great. Talks, which is how, how we met how we met him. Uh, he uh, has a very interesting project that's called uh, Hip Hop Architecture Camps, and he teaches children about architecture using hip hop as a means to, to communicate that message. Uh, one of the main reasons why he does this is because there's very few African-American architects in the United States, and it's a way to inspire children to be able to uh, take on or to be able to see that career as something that's viable for them in the future. Uh, and it's very it's a very interesting project. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we've gotten to travel a lot with it. And the, one of the, pro the the camps that we executed recently was in Chicago, and it was specifically about gun violence. Uh, and during this camp, the kids actually go to a recording studio, and they, they write a song, and, and they uh, they record it, and then we do a music video about uh, about with the kids and, and about the song. And uh, it, was, it was very heavy it was very very interesting to be able to see these these kids really express pretty genuinely their thoughts about the situation about the violence and the gun violence uh, in their area it was very moving uh, but at the end of the day uh, as I said you know it's it's really at that point Mike Ford's and this this project's message we are just simply the tool that's being utilized to be able to help communicate that message better so as a creative organization and with all the politics that are going on on nowadays uh, it's it's very easy to be able to get uh, very very controversial and I think it's important to uh, select and choose your projects wisely and, and have a lot of what you believe in and what your values and morals are uh, a strong a strong reason on what to choose what to take on and what not to take on because that's the only way you can really make it genuine I like that so what I'm hearing is social responsibility being a real person being genuine, I do want to come back to this uh, conversation about uh, hip hop community specifically because uh, you know I'm not shy about talking about my work with the hip hop community. I have a lot of ideas for 2019. Fathers of Hip Hop is one of them, um, but I, I want to float the same question to Rick. You know, how do you, uh, you know, help and, and manage the public relations aspect when it comes to maybe a, a comp maybe have more experience with companies like uh, uh, dealing with a crisis situation or a company uh, facing some type of you know political uh, you know review or something of that nature? How how do you you know manage manage that world? All right. So two sides of that, um, and and I agree with Carlos completely. If you if you aren't careful about who you work with, you can get in a world of hurt all of a sudden. We. Anytime you're in marketing, public relations, promotion of any kind, you're kind of like a heavy weapon, and they bring you in to really advance their cause. And if you don't buy into that cause, I mean, yeah, I, I see the guy is not. You just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a bad situation. And I know there's money to be made out there, but you really got to be careful how you do it. Now, when it comes to consulting with companies, my approach may be a little bit different because I don't believe that a brand should step forward and take a, a stance 
in a community. Um, I'm all for social responsibility for corporations, but I believe that starts with leaders. The leadership of the companies are the ones that have to do it. So when one of our clients in Florida came to us and said, you know, we're getting a lot of regulatory pressure um, back during the foreclosure crisis, and they were involved in that business, um, and they asked me, you know, what, what social causes could they promote on their blog that would get them kind of out of hot water? I said, why are you asking me? You've got 230 employees. Find out what they support. And they did that. They went to their employees, and next thing you know, they're posting about this person helping the Boy Scouts and that person helping their church and that person coordinating a blood drive, and they got hooked on it. And now, every day, they're posting something somebody in their company is doing to help the community, and it's done incredible things for their businesses. So it's not about um, positioning the brand to, you know, look good in the community. It's about positioning your leaders to be responsible for having a corporate culture that cares about the people in that community, and that'll do wonders for you. Well, maybe that's maybe that's it. Is that you know by being genuine, by uh, you know take a, a, as an individual within uh, our uh, you know uh, content creation companies, uh, being genuine, engaging in the community. Hopefully, that gets those corporate uh, uh, employees sort of the the okay the green light to say you can do that too you can engage in your community as well you can volunteer at a at a food drive or blood drive or or whatnot you know you don't you don't really need our permission to do that it's not going to hurt you from a market point of view uh to, to do those things and good companies actually support their employees in those efforts. They'll loan executives to nonprofits. They'll give employees time off to take care of important things in the community that are important to them and their families. And it, it, it looks like a cost center from a distance, but the closer you get to the company, the more you realize this is fostering better engagement among, among employees. It's increasing our productivity. It's making it easier for us to recruit people into the company. And it's a better story for the people we sell to. I'm with it. I agree. We're going to take another break. We're going to continue this conversation with the mad men of Madison area, Greater Madison. You're listening to On Wisconsin, WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. It's our last show for the year, last show for the season, but we'll be back. We'll be back in the new year with some great programming when we come back.